Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. My name is Jill Foos. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach. I created this podcast to bring you along as we travel down intriguing science-packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms and perusing new innovative therapies and modalities with the finest functional medicine doctors, practitioners, and like-minded biohackers while living our best life. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode on the Health Trip Podcast. This podcast is the final episode in a three-part series that I have had the honor of recording with Dr. Paul Savage, who is a anti-aging and longevity medicine doctor in the United States. And we spent a good amount of time talking about the detection and prevention processes associated with health span, avoiding chronic disease states and lifestyle changes in parts one and two. So if you haven't listened to those two episodes yet, please feel free to go back and do so because there is a lot of amazing information uh, within those two episodes. That being said, today we're going to be discussing the various anti-aging interventions that help support one's health journey. There are many causes of aging, including chronic inflammation, declining hormones, genetics, microbiome dysbiosis, mitochondrial dysfunction, and of course, living a poor lifestyle, among other things. Dr. Savage is going to guide us on a journey of some of the interventions that you may have heard of but don't quite understand how they work, such as peptide therapy and other interventions that you may be new to um, hearing about, such as therapeutic plasma exchange or TPE. It's going to be an eye-opening episode, so tune in until the final bits. Dr. Savage is also the founder and CEO of MD Lifespan, which is a full-service anti-aging medical office in Chicago and has been a leader in longevity medicine since the late 1990s. Over the last 25 years of his medical career, he has focused on anti-aging and longevity therapies and built over 50 clinics across the United States. Dr. Savage has appeared in over 50 national publications, TV, news, and educational channels, and has been a moderator at National Longevity Medicine events. So a little medical disclaimer before we dive into the podcast. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice or to make any lifestyle changes to treat any medical condition in yourself or others. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any of my guests on my podcast. So let's sit back, stay tuned, stay open-minded, and let's dive into longevity interventions with Dr. Savage. Hi, Dr. Savage. Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast again. Third time's a charm. Jill, I'll be on your podcast at any point for any reason on any day. Oh, awesome. I love to hear that. I am really excited about this podcast because we are rounding out on our our third episode on how to extend our health span, how to create our longevity blueprint, and everybody's blueprint is different. And on the other two podcasts, we really dove deep into detection and prevention, and today is all about intervention. And so what comes to mind when you think about an intervention? What should people know? What does that mean? It, it is a very good, very good question. 
Um, because frequently, I think people get confused between the word prevention and intervention. Early detection, I think everybody understands pretty clearly. Prevention, in my in my mind, is things that my clients, or I mean, people who listen to my podcast, your podcast, read on our websites, read from good, validated, trusted sources, and they implement themselves. So when they're talking about their nutrition and they're talking about their exercise, they're talking about their uh, managing their sleep, uh, managing their stress, or even how to detoxify. If a person's doing it pretty much on their own in an area to improve themselves, they're doing prevention or changing bad habits like quitting smoking and drinking. Intervention is where that same listener now has gone out and sought help from someone like you or from someone like me uh, so that we can work with them so that we can intervene on their health. So once they engage with a healthcare provider, um, that's more of an intervention. And what is the optimal time for someone to even start an intervention? Like what has to happen for that person? And this is probably different for everybody to say, oh, I need to step out of my lane and go get some help. So on the intervention question, because it's different for the early detection question, early detection is early. That's yeah, what, uh, yeah, but on intervention. But on intervention, what I usually tell people, if you're starting on, you're deciding you're going to make the change, you're going to either step up your game in a longevity program or begin anew in a longevity program. When you're dealing with things that you're instituting yourself, um, there's no, there, you should start doing these things immediately. And that means you should, you should be doing it to your kids. You should be showing your kids how they can take an active role in their own healthcare, whether that's uh, making sure they stay out of trouble, making sure they understand how to, um, how to in integrate emotional health, how to eat well, how to get all that exercise, all these other things. It starts at a very early age. But the interesting thing is we tend to get away from it. We misplace it. We, we forget its importance. We get consumed with too many other things. And then suddenly one day, I know that was my case, you look around and you're like, I don't know how I got here, but the real question is, how do I get back? How do I, how do I return? And so the, the time to start prevention is immediately. Intervention, you need to start when you've come up against a roadblock. So you're doing a nutritional program and suddenly you, your bowel movements still aren't good. You're still not digesting the weight. You still don't have the energy. You, still, you have bloating, you have gas. At that point, if you've tried many things and tried unsuccessfully to resolve that issue, now it's time to go see someone who you trust and who is knowledgeable to help you through that. So you go get your intervention when you run up against a roadblock that you by yourself don't seem to be able to overcome. And do you see any area of health that requires or or that needs intervention more than others, just in your experience? Nutrition. Mm. I, I, really, I mean, and in, the world of in the world of longevity, in the world of health, nutrition is the game. I tell people all the time, people yeah. come to me with all these advanced therapies, and we do. We do stem cells. We do hormone replacement. We do all sorts of different advanced therapies on people, exosomes, but none of it works well if you don't have the basics, right? We've gone over those five basic things, but yeah. of those five things, the nutrition is number one. What's interesting to your readers, they may not know that if you were an automobile, if you were a machine and you consumed a hundred gallons of gas a day just to operate, 50 gallons a day would be in digestion. So you need half of your energy expenditures a day to make more energy for the next day. That's how important it is, is it takes that much of your supply chain every day. And the second system that takes up the, 
most amount of energy is your immune system, which is also in your gut. So it's really interesting. Like we really are the gut first, the gut last. And I think people um, could really benefit a lot more by optimizing out the nutrition by seeing someone like you, um, because that's you're going to make more progress in a very short time with that one area. Yeah, I totally agree with you because some of the interventions that we're going to dive into shortly cost money. They're they out do. of pocket expenses and it's, you know, you want to have the great, this solid foundation. So everything you're paying for is going to work the way it's supposed to work. I don't know if I've given you this example before, but we had a very nice lady who's 60 years old, comes in with bad shoulder one stem cells in her shoulder because she heard that would help. But she's overweight. She has a lot of inflammation. She's on multiple meds. She doesn't really eat well. And I was very honest with her. And I said, listen, we can do the stem cell therapy. But if you really want the best result from this, let's take three months or let's take four months. Let's have you talk to the nutritionist. Let's get that underway. Let's get this inflammation down. Let's get you moving a little bit. And then we can circle back around and do stem cells because your stem cells are only as healthy as you are. So if yeah. I can get you healthier, we're going to get a better response. And believe it or not, within four months, she ended up not needing stem cells because we got her inflammation under control. And she was like, wow. And so it really does always come back. Even with the advanced therapies, it always comes back to nutrition and exercise and stress management, yeah. sleep and detox. Yeah, that's a great I would, success I would story. Say the other one of those five, the, the one that people don't understand the most is detoxification. That's the one. And that's the one that I think most people are confused by the most because I hear all the time people come in like, I'm going to do this juice fast. I'm going to yeah. do this vitamin fast. I'm doing this nutrient fast. And um, there's different type of fastings for different type of issues, as you and I both know. Yeah. So if I'm just talking about like, how do you provoke your longevity? That's more like eating less often. Intermittent fasting is we know if there's anything in longevity medicine, we know absolutely 100% sure is the less you eat, the longer you live. Yep. Yep. I use that a lot in my um, coaching practice. And it's very interesting because for a lot of people that I'm working with, they're just in the beginning stages of trying to figure out how to build a proper plate for themselves. Right. So we don't go to a 24 hour or 48 hour fast. <laughs> we do, a, we do a nice, easy overnight fast. We start small. Right. And 100%. I know that, I know that that's what you're talking about and what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want people so, to get confused out there. No, because I do have people come in to like, I'm going to do a 30, 72 hour right. fast. And right. they're like, they've not done a fast before and they're, right. and you're not going to do well, you're going to fail and you're going right. to really fall on your face on that one. Cause that actually, that's a kind of an advanced fast that you do once you got your nutrition going, once you have your metabolism going, once you have the detox pattern pathways going, um, right. that, that, that is a, you know, and those are for more of the religious fast, but they're still good to do a couple of times a year, but it's not something you do frequently. Exactly. Well, let's start diving into some of these really cool uh, interventions that you offer. So a lot of people have heard about peptide therapy. It's, you know, written about, it's out there on social media, but they might not know exactly what it does, what it means, how it works, who's a great candidate for it, who's not. So take us, take us down the peptide therapy path. One of the things that I was really grateful for in my career so far in the field of longevity is I've been in this for 30 years now. I was giving hormones to people in the late 1990s, 20 years before it became fashionable. And I actually built 50 clinics nationwide in the early 2000s, again, before hormones, steroids like testosterone, estrogen, 
progesterone, DHA, were really well known and well accepted. And it's so much better accepted today. So I understand what it's like to talk about stuff to people that they don't have a, a, a understanding of what that was. Because in the early 2000s, hormones were, <gasps> those are dangerous, right? And once you explain hormones are messengers and they're the what tells from the brain telling the rest of the body what to do. Well, peptides are very similar. As a matter of fact, in most cases, peptides are hormones because you can have hormones which are minerals. You can have hormones which are cholesterol-based, which is that's why we call them steroids. You can have cholesterol. You can have um, hormones that are made of proteins, amino acids, and we call those peptides. When peptides get big enough, they're a protein. So a peptide is just another way of saying a hormone for the body. Now, what are some of the natural peptides in our body? Insulin is a natural peptide to our body. Glucagon, growth hormone. These are all peptides. They're a little bit longer chained. So some people have a problem that they're more of an enzymatic protein than a peptide, but they're still made from amino acids. So uh, most of this body that we are, this machine that we are, is a biochemical machine. The reason we use the word biochemical is you need an engine to run the chemistry. And that engine is an enzyme. And that enzyme is run by proteins that make it work such uh, the way it works. So that's what the biochemistry is. So peptides like um, BCP157 is a peptide from the stomach that we discovered that tells cells to heal. So when you're injecting a peptide, you're eliciting a response to the body that the body's already programmed to do. And there's hundreds of peptides out there. It just really depends on what we're doing for you. Now, one of the most common peptides that we use is CJC1295 and impermelin, which is a really wonderful peptide if you're trying to increase your own production of growth hormone. So it's a it's a hormone stimulator. Of, so it stimulates the hypothalamus to produce more growth hormone. So that's a wonderful one. BPC157 is another one of my favorite ones. We used to have the one called thymosin alpha-1 that I just love because it would really stimulate the immune system, but the FDA is right now kind of questioning whether they want to allow that in the world of peptides for no other reason than I think it's the political part that it's a drug that does amazing things for people and they don't want to have all that stuff out in the market from the pharmaceutical point of view, but let's not get political at this point. So peptides are hormones. And when you give them to the body, they elicit a specific response. And as I said, there's hundreds of them that we can use. Yeah, there's an interesting one for sexual dysfunction um, or arousal called um, bromocholinesterase. So it's PT. Yeah, one forty-one. Yeah, and so I actually that's yeah. actually called, that's actually called the female Viagra. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we discovered is with this peptide, when you inject it, it stimulates the part of the brain for women and for men that elicits an sexual arousal. So where you may give women an estrogen and testosterone to help with their libido, help with their mm -hmm. performance, this peptide actually stimulates the brain so it makes you have more desire. Um, you know, your spouse or your partner or whomever suddenly becomes much more attractive, <laughs> becomes much more, uh, you have more of a sexual appetite with PT-141. Right. Yeah. I think peptides are amazing, but one of the problems with peptides is that they are also sold online. And a lot of people who might not be working with a functional medicine doctor or an integrative MD like yourself, 
um, go on to these forums on Facebook and learn about these peptides from other users. And these are people who are not qualified to give out medical advice at all. And True. so you have a lot of people out there buying these peptides that are not regulated yeah. and they have no idea what they're getting. And there's problems that ensue. There have been a number of problems. So first off, you're absolutely correct. The first problem to overcome is understanding that these people who are offering you these peptides are not medical personnel. They do not explain to you all of the risks that are associated with peptide and everything that we do in life has a risk. So you have to understand even BP141, people can get very dark skin from PT141. And especially if you're a Mediterranean descent, you get very dark skin. And some people don't want that. And that lasts for quite some time. That is a effect of the medicine. So they won't, there's just many of these things that they don't tell you about that could be potentially problematic. Second thing is almost none of these things that are sold on the open market are actually the product that you were being told is being sold. The vast majority of them when studied by the FDA and they have looked into this is byproducts. It's stuff that you don't want. They found arsenic, they found um, pumpkin fibers. They, I mean, it's just, you name it, a cucumber, um, chlorophyll. I mean, it's just, but it's everything but the peptide. So I can promise you the chances are better, 90% or better. Whatever you're buying on this person from this person on the open market is not what they say it is. That's right. And people also stack peptides together. When you're yeah. working with someone like you, who's a medical doctor, you understand the yeah. interactions among, you know, between these peptides and can you know, do that in a trustworthy way. You have I mean, the, not the scientific background. Sure. Let's give a really good example. I have people come in and they've, they've taken CJC, which is the one that stimulates your growth hormone. And suddenly they're losing a lot of weight. They're not putting on muscle. They're actually losing a lot of weight. They're, what's going on? Well, first off, they were dosing it in, incorrectly. They were dosing it too much. Second off, they were on thyroid medicine. And this CJC makes your thyroid medicine three to four times more potent. So suddenly they become anorexic or their metabolism is going mm. way too fast now. And they're like, I'm hungry all the time. I'm eating all the time. I'm, get, I'm getting lean, aren't I? And yeah, but where's your muscle going? It was disappearing too. So all hormones interact with each other. There's a hormone hierarchy that exists in the body, cortisol being at the top. But all these peptides have a layer in there too, and they regulate other hormones below them. And if you're not knowledgeable on how these peptides work together, I mean, whenever I put anybody on CJC apromelin, if they're on a thyroid medicine, I'm always telling them, why don't we cut back on that a little bit or be ready to cut back on that a little bit because you're going to see a more response. So you're right. The problem with this is they're not medical personnel. And even if you do go see a medical personnel about peptide, please go to somebody who's qualified. There's an organization out there called Clinical Peptide Society that's run by a watchdog group of doctors that list all the doctors who've qualified with their education in peptide therapy. And it's run by functional medicine doctors as well. And I tell people, you don't need to come to see me. There's hundreds of doctors out there who've taken the test, who've taken the course, who've qualified and continue to qualify, but get yourself a good physician who's experienced. Not somebody who says, yeah, I've heard about these peptides. Let's try that out on you. That's a very right. good idea. There is right. very little, I always tell people, there's a lot of medicines out in the world, but hormones are exact and they are potent. And that's why at one point, all the steroids were illegalized. They were made illegal because of all the abuse that people did because yeah. 
they they were abusing it without doubt, and especially the bodybuilders, but it's all the negative physiologic effects that they were having, heart enlargement, spleen enlargement, and people were dying because they were misusing that one steroid, which is amazingly potent if used properly on the right person for the yeah. right reason at the right dose. Absolutely. Very good advice. And I will list that website in the show notes. Let's move on to stem cells and exosomes. Okay. So I have experience with stem cells in terms of my hair loss um, journey that spanned over the last 25 years. And it's really been helpful to me. Um, mm -hmm. But where, why else would people want to use stem cells or exosome? What's the difference with them? Sure. And yeah. So stem cells are the little architects or the little repair kits that our body makes and they become every other cell in the body. Um, that's why they, they're so universal. We do, I do wanna make sure that people understand that in the United States, there's limited use of stem cells. So in, every, in China, in Eastern Europe, in Russia, and even Europe itself, there's a lot more um, usage of stem cells because their government has allowed more uh, research into those areas. And the United States is quite significantly behind on that research. So when we're talking about stem cells in the United States, what we're talking about are stem cells that we harvest from your bone marrow, nowhere else. They're not, you're not allowed to get them from anywhere else, and they are other places, that we use on tissues. So whether it's a joint or a muscle or skin or hair uh, or sexual organs, it's acceptable. But it's not acceptable in the United States to use it on any internal organ. You can't use it for heart repair or lung repair or colon repair or anything else if it's not a muscle muscle and skeleton type tissue. So stem cells are the beginning of every cell that's in the muscular skeleton system. And they're in your bone marrow. And when you harvest them, you can inject them into an area that has inflammation or injury and the stem cells will go repair that, in, that injury. They do so by taking little messages from their DNA, pushing them out through the membrane. And when those little messages get coated with the membrane by themselves and they float across the void of between the cells, that little messenger that's in that little packet, like a little letter with a whole bunch of instructions, that's called an exosome. So the exosomes are the messages the stem cells are sending out mm. to the universe. And these little messages <clears throat> come in contact with another cell, get absorbed into that cell, and then it's telling that cell what to do. So think of the stem cells as a postman who's sending out a bunch of letters to the people around him, telling them exactly what he wants them to do. And that's how stem cells work. Stem cells really don't work by becoming the tissue. That that's many people think, oh, it's becoming the muscle. No, it, it isn't. It's just telling all the cells around it to repair and regenerate. So the difference and between stem cells and exosomes is a difference between the postman and a letter. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And so what client, what patient of yours would be someone that would be a great candidate for stem cell or exosome therapy? So pretty much every patient at some point. Um, so again, it's, it's really stem cells. You know, I've been doc for 30 years in this field. There's been some things that I've seen just transform people's life. Like when they go through menopause, giving women hormones, when the guys go through andropause, giving them testosterone in days or weeks, you see this person metamorphosis into this person that they used to once be, which is wonderful. Stem cells are also one of those therapies you can see that happen to, because when used properly in a joint or a tissue or, a, or an organ like your hair or sexual function, that has lost some of its structure, has become weaker either in its a, um, 
uh, in its function or in its attachments, the stem cells are remarkable for repairing those and bringing them back into a healthier, younger version of itself. So who qualifies well? Pretty much anybody with a joint issue or a um, tissue issue, tendon issue, skin issue, a penis issue, clitoris issue, hair issue. You can use it for all of those as long as you understand it's sending out messages to repair. With that also being said, I want to reiterate again, I always want to get people to have the healthiest nutrition and internal, you know, with that, with lowering their inflammation. And you and I both know, especially on the dietary part of lowering inflammation, that just takes weeks before you can correct it. It doesn't, it means not they're going to take years. I mean, within weeks, if not right. even days, you see this falling of this inflammation area. And when that happens within a couple of weeks to a month after that, the stem cells that you have just become more robust and they become more potent. And once you get stem cell or exosome therapy, how long does it take for that to kick in until you start feeling results? Sure. Just like everything else, it's repairing, it's healing. And like every other, like a, a wound or a cut, you're looking at 10 to 12 weeks before it's healed and probably six months before it's fully healed. So, you know, when we do a knee injection or a shoulder injection or a tendonitis or a scalp for hair, I tell people initially it's going to be more sore for the next three to five days. I'm sure your scalp was more tender mm -hmm. for that first week, oh, yeah. maybe even up to two weeks. Uh, and after that, it starts feeling better, but you're not going to start seeing the hair appear or the function in the joint appear for about eight to 12 weeks. And I really don't know to the extent that you're going to have a full or not recovery up to almost a year. Mm. So in terms of like people who have severe back pain or osteoarthritis in their knees, for example, right? And they're you know, a very active person. Is this something that could take the place of a cortisone shot? I, I think I think it absolutely does. Matter of fact, mm. it's much more potent than a cortisol shot. The reason cortisol shots have a function. I mean, when you see someone in their incredible amount of pain, uh, a cortisone shot is incredibly useful for diminishing the amount of inflammation and relieving them of their pain. However, the downside of cortisol is it doesn't build anything up. It actually tears it down even more because right. cortisol only has two functions getting the blood sugar up so you can run away from dinosaur, decreasing inflammation so you can keep running away from a dinosaur. But when you give cortisol to people, it's actually tearing things down. It tears down muscle. It tears down all these nutrients and stuff that it's going to use as energy to run away from the dinosaur. So the problem, and most uh, orthopedic doctors won't do more than three cortisol shots right. in the joint in your lifetime, because by then there's too much damage to the joint from the cortisone. So in the acute phase, it's really useful if somebody's in a lot of pain, but really you want to follow that up within about four to six weeks if you can with the stem cell injection because you got to let the cortisol wear off completely because it's telling everything to cool off. And stem cells are telling it to heat up because you have to have heat in the area to bring in all the healing tissues, all the nutrients, all the oxygen, all the healing tissues. That's why inflammation occurs and stem cells are the king of making inflammation. Very interesting. I love that long-term approach because you you can use those shots as um, for that acute pain, but then layer this on in terms of longevity. And there's another point with you know some of my real elderly patients who are still active, but because of their age, their stem cells are probably not going to be the best in the world at this point. Right. And at those patients, I may consider doing a hyaluronic acid and cortisol injection at the same time, because now I'm giving them a little bit of structure and cushion and decreasing inflammation. Because my goal for them is to get them walking in the short term for up to six to 12 months. 
I'm not right. looking to repair the joint for 20 years. Right. right. So, I mean, there's a lot of different places that you just have to use medical common sense. I know there's a lot of my clients who are like, I don't want any drugs. And I try to tell people all the time, in certain cases, for yeah. certain people, a drug is not a bad choice because give me my antibiotics, give me my antivirals. Um, and even in some acute cases, give me the anti-inflammatories because they do have a specific role for specific people. Now, you and I are both in the same uh, adage that I don't like people on long-term medicines for stuff that we can fix in most cases uh, naturally. Uh, but there are those outliers, you know, even in cholesterol, you have people with high cholesterol in their family and no matter what you do from a nutrition point of view, they're yeah. going to get heart disease because they have bad genes. In that case, medicines are useful at that point. Absolutely. Something that you do that's um, very unique is genetic and telomere testing. Yes. And I don't think a lot of people really know what telomeres are if they're not into functional medicine and this whole longevity, okay. which most of the people listening to this may not know what telomeres are. So sure. take us down that, that path of what those are and how they tie in with genetics. Great. So telomeres, so I should say, as you know, everybody know your cells divide. And when your cell divides, the DNA unravels itself and then it splits into two parts. At the very end of the DNA is what's called your telomeres, which are just a bunch of nucleotides in a specific order over and over and over again. Think of them as a bunch of bus tickets at the end of the DNA. And every time the DNA replicates, you take one ticket away. Mm. And then when that DNA replicates, you take another ticket away. And when that DNA replicates, you take another ticket away. And eventually... When you're out of tickets, you're out of time. When you're out of tickets, that tells the cell to self-destruct. That is one of the things that triggers apoptosis, which is called programmed cell death. And people are like, mm -hmm. why do you want cells to die? Because every time a cell replicates, a fax of a fax of a fax of a fax eventually becomes unreadable. And you want that cell to die because it's not a cell that's going to listen to you anymore. Right. And if you don't, if the cell doesn't die, then it goes to sleep or it becomes cancer. And so that's the end point of those, which is that, yeah, let's blow that cell up before it can become cancer. So telomeres are basically the countdown tickets on the DNA of the cell to tell it when to destruct. However, every we have a lot of chromosomes and we have a lot of telomeres and the telomeres vary in length on different, on different chromosomes. So it's really what is the shortest telomere length because when the one of the chromosomes out of the, you know, the 46 we have, loses its telomeres, the whole cell dies. So I have, a, I have a lot of clients who are really interested in looking at their telomeres and for biological age. They want to know what is their biological age? It is, Am I getting it that is. right? It's not chronological. chronological it's, it's what biological. Your biological yeah. age. Right. I right. mean, there's always a difference. How old are you chronologically? When were you born? Right, right. Years have you lived? I'm 61. Biologically, when we test me, I'm 51. So I, I'm a decade younger physically, and I hope I come across that way on the video, but I'm a, a decade younger than I am by my biologic age, which is actually a pretty good um, feat for me to have accomplished because when I was 38, my telomere age was about 54. So I've actually been gone backwards. gone backwards in time with, with all the things I've done. And the other thing I always tell people about telomeres, like how can I lengthen my telomeres? Because you do want to maintain as long as telomeres as possible. What shortens your telomere is everything that's bad for you. It's really simple. If you don't eat right, if you don't exercise regularly, if you don't get enough sleep, if you don't manage your stress, 
if you don't detox, if you, I mean, the, if you smoke, if you drink, all of these things that stress your body shorten the telomeres so that they actually prematurely get short, which is going to cut down the amount of time your cell has. And again, when you're out of telomeres, you're out of time. So when you're testing your telomeres, there's really only a couple companies that do it well. The company that I recommend is LifeLink because what they do is they test all the telomeres, but they also give you the shortest telomere age because most of these companies give you a medium telomere length. Mm. And that's not going to do you very good if you have one that's really, really short and one that's really, really long. And so your average age is good, but what really matters is the short one. So that's why life length has a better way. Plus there's three, three, four different ways to measure telomeres. They use one of the more, more advanced um, uh, accurate measures. So it's not only reproducible, but it's also valid. And so why do this test? You know, is it to show someone on, in black and white that this is what your biological age is and to help them pivot their lifestyle in a different direction? Exactly. That is, it, it is okay. usually by request. It's not usually something that I would say you have to get. It's not one of those tests that yeah. I need to help do you. Because if you have bad habits, I know you have bad habits. I can look at you and tell yeah. you you have bad habits. Um, and when you have good habits, I can look at you and tell you you have good habits because I don't see any of those signs. And they are pretty evident to you and I. And to most people, yep. you, like, you can look at somebody about that person's really healthy. That person's really not. So telomeres isn't something that I say you have to do. But I do have some people who are very curious as what it is. And sure, let's do that. And I always give them the caveat that this is a test that we're going to look at for your shortest telomere. And there are things that you can do to lengthen your telomeres besides mediate all your stressors that we talked about initially, uh, aspergillus is also an herb that is known in the Chinese community, community as a longevity herb. And it literally makes your telomeres last longer. And that's mm. actually, it's actually uh, if you want to do the research on the product that has most research out there, that's called TA65. And mm. you can purchase that off full scripts. You can purchase it from the company. And it really does have good research on showing the functional um, longevity of an organ over time in people on TA65 versus those that are not. Hmm, very interesting. These are relatively healthy people that then they put this group on TA65 and this group not, and then they're looking at ejection fracture of the heart, glomerular filter rate of the kidney, those type of things that are relatively simple to measure. And there's quite a bit of research out there. The downside is it's expensive. You're looking between four to $1,200 per month. For this supplement? For the supplement. Wow. Is that supplement a an adaptogenic herb? It, it is. An adapt Aspergillus is considered an adaptogenic, uh, adaptogenic herb, yes. There's a test that I do, a micronutrient test, and that's on the test. There's a whole section where we'll look at um, using the my client's blood to test what antioxidants are going to be most beneficial for them. And that one is, is listed. Yeah, it is. It is a very potent antioxidant, mm. but that's again back to in inflammation and oxidation and glycation. We've talked about those three yep. terrible things that it's in my in my view, it's the bane of everybody's uh, problems is those three mechanisms. And aspergillus is one of the strongest antioxidants, and it's a pretty good anti-inflammatory as well. Yeah, interesting. We're getting to. Um 
the next intervention, which I do not know much about, and I know you are an expert in this, and I'm really excited to share this with the listeners. It's called TPE or therapeutic plasma exchange. And um, you're going to tell us all about it, but on your website, you have a whole downloadable brochure that people can get for free and read right. more about it. And you, everything that you read on there is in non-medical terms. So it's very easy for okay. the non-medical minded person to really understand, but tell us about this, like, what is it, what's it used for and um, who's a good candidate for it? First off, thank you for letting your listeners know about that brochure. It is a very good brochure and thank you for it saying is. it's written in very easy terms because I really do try to make our speak and I have a whole team that works with me to make sure that we can say it in such a way that everybody can understand um, in, in simplest terms what it is. So what is TPE? Um, I should start with the history that TPE is, is therapeutic plasma exchange. Way back 50 years ago, way back before I was a doctor, some doctors realized that a lot of things that were going on in your blood had to do with because you had too much of something in your blood, too many antibodies, too much inflammation. And what they did was basically set up a system where we withdrew your blood, they centrifuged it to separate the cells from the liquid, and that liquid is plasma. Then they put the cells back into you with either saline or albumin, which is a placeholder, and then took the plasma out. It's really kind of goes way all the way back into the days of leaching, where we put leeches on you to draw your blood out because it's mm. drawing toxins out with it. And that's where the toxins are carried is in the plasma. So plasma exchange, or what we call apheresis, is the ability to remove things from your blood. And it removes everything, good and bad. It takes out inflammation and oxidation and cancer and sciescence and toxins and viruses and all those different things. But it also takes out hormones and nutrients and glucose and calcium and 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 you know, all these other things that are good for you. So there is a trade-off that you have to be understanding is I'm taking everything out. Some people go, well, that sounds like a lot like dialysis. It is not like, it is not dialysis because dialysis is where I'm taking your blood out and then I'm putting it up against a, what we call a membrane. And then just small waste particles are gravitating towards the fluid that gets thrown out. So only thing that di dialysis does is take out toxic waste particles, which are very small. Plasmapheresis takes out everything. So we're getting the proteins and we're getting all the big chemicals and all these other things that would not come out from dialysis. And then people say, well, plasma exchange sounds like a lot like a plasma donation. In some sense it is. When you go into a blood bank and they put the needle in your arm and they draw out about a liter of your blood, they spin it down, they send back some of the plasma with all your red cells back to you and then they keep about five or 600 cc's of your plasma to sell. The difference between that and an exchange is instead of 500 cc's, I'm typically doing three liters. So six times as much. And because I'm taking that much plasma out, I have to give you back a replacement fluid and we use albumin, which is human albumin, because that holds the space open with fluid until you make more plasma the next day. So if you want to think about it in the, in the simplest terms, I'm giving you an oil change. I'm taking out one fluid and I'm giving you back a space holder until you make that new fluid in about 24 hours. What that does is anything that was toxic or unable to be out, getting get, get out in the detox pathways or anything that was in too much supply like viruses or path, pathogens, they all come out. Now, 
apheresis isn't really a cure for anything because it doesn't totally get rid of anything. It just knocks everything down 70, 80%. So plasmapheresis has been used for 50 years. Matter of fact, when I was the director of the largest trauma center in the country, one of the docs on the evening shift, we use plasmapheresis in the ER because we would have, let's say, for example, a 16-year-old girl comes in having took grandpa's heart pills, digitalis, for an overdose, and her heart rate went down to four beats per minute, which a 16-year-old can manage, not forever, but they would come in. We would put the IV in them, draw out their blood, spin out their plasma, give them back albumin. So we basically detox them mm. from, the, from the heart medicine in a matter of hours instead of waiting around for a matter of days for that, for that drug to come out. And we still use it and a lot of different overdoses. In the world of plasmapheresis, it's used for over 167 different diseases. It's used for mostly things like Guillain-Barre, which is a virus that paralyzes your body from the, from the neck down and you stop breathing. And so the plasmapheresis helps get that virus out sooner. It's also used for multiple sclerosis. It's also used for myasthenia gravis. And recently it's been used a lot in long COVID because these people long COVID have a lot of virus and a lot of cytokine storm and plasmapheresis just diminishes the volume of both. So it gives a person a little bit of a reprieve from that. Well, what happened back in 2005 is two Stanford PhDs looked at an old gray arthritic mouse that was fat and a young, lean, healthy mouse that was really healthy, age equivalent was 70 years for the old mouse, 20 years for the young mouse, and they actually tied the circulation together. And what they noticed within a month is that the old mouse was younger and younger and younger, actually got to about equivalent of 50 years. So went back in time about almost 15, 20% of its life cycle. It was phenomenal. And for seven years, everybody around the world tried to find what it was in that young mouse that got that old mouse to turn young. And finally, in 2012, what they realized was it wasn't the old mouse, a young mouse at all. It was the old mouse. It wasn't what's in the young mouse making the old mouse young. What was in the old mouse making the old mouse old? And that's when everybody's bells went off and went, toxins, inflammation, oxidation. We know these things increase with age because mm. your detox pathways don't work as well. Plus, we have all these toxins that get introduced to your system that we never had before. And so the 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 PhD said, well, if that's the case, let's do plasmapheresis on the old mouse. And they took all the, you know, took 70% of the blood out, the plasma out, put back albumin, the red cells, and within a month, the old mouse got young. It wasn't until about 2020 that a apheresis doctor went, I can do that on people. And he took six older people, average age about 60, measured about 500 proteins in their blood, determined 72 of them were actually related to aging and they changed over time. And then he did this plasma change on these six people over the course of five months, one treatment every month for a total of five months. And at the end of the five months, he repeated the biomarkers, these testing. And what he saw was simply startling, amazing. Their inflammation lowered, their oxidation lowered, their cancer markers lowered, the number of sleeping cancer cells, the cyacin cells lowered, the markers for Alzheimer's lowered, and what I think is the most remarkable is their immune system, which as it deteriorates as we get older, rebounded back 20, 30% higher than what it was before the plasma exchange. When I saw that article in August of 2022, I realized there was a new tool that we could use in the world of longevity 
and therefore went through and we've been doing ever since plasma exchange in the office. And as I mentioned before, I've been around long enough to see the amazing changes that happen with hormones, that happen with stem cells, that happen when you get somebody's gut fixed. I mean, these are transform transformational changes, not just giving somebody cholesterol pill, they don't notice anything. These people change physically, emotionally, mentally. And with plasma exchange, I'm happy to report I'm seeing very much the same kind of response. We're very excited. Now, we still have a lot to learn about plasma exchange, but it's relatively low risk. I mean, this has been around for 50 years. We have a machine, it's very much like your plasma donation, it's just that we do more and the machine basically runs it all. The biggest problem that people may run into with the plasma exchange is their calcium may get too low because we use the calcium as citrate to make their blood so it doesn't stick while it's in the tube of the machine. Uh, they might get hypoglycemic, their sugar can go low because remember, I'm taking out 70% of your plasma and that's where all your sugar is. So that's right. why we always make sure people eat before we do the procedure. And they might become volume depleted. Their volume may fall a bit because of the exchange that we're doing, but we usually give them saline and that doesn't really happen very often. But other than that, there's very little risk. And we've seen very few adverse reactions on the hundreds and hundreds and thousands that we've done in this office. They 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 come off very, very easily. And people are quite amazed. This is one of the few things that I've been a doctor long enough that I have people sending me testimonials without me asking them. They're like, you need to post this. And they can go to YouTube and our website and see all these testimonials that have with people, healthy people, people who are not so healthy. I'll tell you, one of the things that I'm taking away from this in the longevity part towards CP is everybody's improving with it, even the people who are very healthy, but the people who are not healthy are, are improving the most as kind of expected. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what we always see, right? The right. people with the worst diets do the best when we clean them up. People right. have a pretty good diet. They get a little bit better, but, and so it's it's pretty much, but the but the rate at which the improvements happen on, across the board for people has been very satisfying. It's very satisfying for me. That is fascinating. Wow, what an amazing explanation of what TPE is. Who is the most optimal candidate for this? I would say at this point, the pa patients who are interested in the longevity program, but struggle with chronic inflammation, probably due to toxicities. And these are toxicities that previously haven't been able to be uh, ameliorated or resolved with the detox programs that we have. Those are the patients I'm seeing the greatest amount of improvement in. So people that have genetic predispositions predispositions to not being able to detox or typically are, even people, yes yeah, typically or, the people who are the most toxic are the mm -hmm. people who are a in the most toxic environments mm -hmm. these are people who work in the petroleum industry the mm -hmm. auto in the auto industry people work around a lot of mold and you know houses that are filled with mold so there's a lot of reason people can get toxic from all these different chemicals that we used to have plus. The water has so many chemicals and people aren't filtering the water as they should. Those are the people, but yes, absolutely. People who have a who have genetic predisposition to not, not detox well are the ones that have the greatest effect from this because they accumulate much more quickly and much more severely. And they're not able to uh, equalize the toxicities because of their genes. You know, this is so interesting to me. Um, my fourth, my, no, he's my third kid is um, an army soldier. 
And I've had a couple um, functional medicine army docs on my podcast who are amazing to talk to and how they've brought functional medicine and integrative medicine into yeah. the world of the military. And for people who are special ops, I could see this being something that should be man mandatory for them because they're around all this gunfire and, and all these environment, you know, horrible environments. Yeah. I mean, as you said, I'm seeing everybody, I have people come in because they wanted to try the procedure. One of the gentlemen, he's on the, one of the testimonials, he's 65 years old, he's very fit, always been healthy, done longevity thing for decades and decades, wanted to come in to see if he could make himself a little bit better. And he gave us a testimony of two days later that was just, this is great. I feel I'm, I'm superpowers. I mean, it was like, he was um, very impressed. I've done it three times, um, one every month for three times. I've had a significant problem with atrazine poisoning. As you know, that's an herbicide that's out in the, and been tied very closely to obesity. I'm very much of the uh, opinion that obesity is induced through chemicals that we've exposed ourselves to um, that in the United States where other countries haven't. Um, but my ability to keep weight off now is significantly easier than mm -hmm. it was prior to the plasma exchanges. I see so, people who hurt, wake up every morning and they ache, wake up without any pain. I mean, and I'm just saying these are the things that are in the testimonials. Um, yeah. It makes sense because we're removing inflammation cytokines, but we're also removing, in most cases, the inflammatory agent. So is the standard protocol for TPE once a month for three months? So this, so a protocol, we have three, three essential protocols. I mean, if somebody wants to come in, who's really healthy and they're into longevity and they want to do this procedure, they'll meet with me if there's no contraindications. So we should talk about what those are, uh, contraindications of the procedure. Mm -hmm. um, I have no problem having them do this procedure because it's relatively low risk. It is expensive in the world of advanced therapies. In California, this procedure is $10,000 every time. Now wow. in Chicago, I didn't want to, I, I've done everything I can to make this more accessible to people, but the machine is expensive. The albumin is expensive. The cassettes are expensive, but we've been able to lower it to $5,000 for our clients. So I've been able to come in half that price and I'm hoping to be able to drive it down more. Plus we do or offer financial um, packages to people on, on these therapies because I want people to take advantage of this. Um, but when we're, um, I forgot who we were going with this. Where was your question on them? The standard protocol. Ah, the standard protocol for most people. So that depends on the person. So if I have somebody who we're assessing and I can tell from their history, and you know the people I'm talking about, they're highly inflamed, probably from toxins. You're probably going to look at a minimum of five and more likely to be eight or 10 therapies because every time we take a little bit more. So the amount of toxic load you have almost dictates how many plasma exchange you're going to need. I have other people who are less toxic and they take less. Now we're in this point right now that I'm, I may do somebody for five and I may think they're going to need eight, but after five, they're doing very well. Their markers are very good. So great. Let's, let's stop here. Cause again, in medicine, go to, you get the effect you want, or you get a, a side effect you don't want. So if I'm getting a person, I feel really good. I feel great. Great. Then let's halt for the time being because more isn't better like everything else in medicine, more steroids, more testosterone. No, it's right. not. Go to the point where the patient's feeling better and then pause. That's what I'm saying, just pause. And then I work with our clients and we determine what's the next best therapy for them. What's really interesting is a lot of times we don't know yet in this detoxing, this longevity market for TPE about 
what the protocol is on the other side. How many times a year are you going to need it? I am very much of the inclination, because I'm a statistician by background, that I think if people go donate plasma then twice a month, we may be able to keep toxicities out because you do 500 twice a month, mm. that's 1,000. And over a year, that's 12,000 uh, you know, cc's that you've yep. donated. You've done something good for your community, but at the same time, you've, got, you've offloaded some of your toxins and inflammation. People are like, well, aren't I giving the other person my toxin inflammation? I guarantee you they're going to test every plasma for anything infectious. Right. And they're only giving plasma to people who desperately need it, like in Ukraine. And a little bit of arsenic, a little bit of uh, mold, a little bit of in that 500 cc's is not going to be a problematic for that person as much as imminent death from not having plasma. Right. So let's understand that every plasma donation is gold. The other thing is the exceptions. Who do we not do TPE? Right. TPE for longevity is an elective procedure on relatively healthy people. I want to make sure that's really clear because why do anything risky on anybody for any reason? So if you have, if you're on seizure medicine, I'm not going to do it because I'm taking out your seizure medicine. When I do mm. the change, I take everything out. If you're on an antiarrhythmic for a bad heart rhythm, let's say you're on medicine, amylodipine or something for um, um, amiodarone because you're going to have a real bad heart rhythm like BTAC. And that's what I'm not going to do plasma change on you because I'm taking out a essential critical medicine for you. And if you're on blood thinners, Zeralta, um, Levinox, Coumarin, Coumatin, uh, Warfarin, I'm not going to do plasma change. Even though it's a peripheral IV and I can do compressions, it doesn't make sense to run that risk. If you've had surgery within the last two months, I'm not going to do it. If you've had a heart attack in the last two months, I'm not going to do it. If you've had a stroke in the last two months, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do elective procedure on somebody who is possibly unstable or could have an adverse reaction by removing things that they essentially need. So hmm. not everybody qualifies for plasma change. Most people do, but not everyone. So I think the moral of the story here, talking to you for the listeners is they must work with someone like you who is super knowledgeable about these protocols and therapies and not just to go find someone because it's cheaper. You know, one of the things I help bring testosterone for guys into, into reality, and that's just fact. I was back in the yeah. 1990s. There was a bunch of us and we were bringing data to the, uh, to the government officials, to the medical boards, and we brought testosterone out of the Anti-Steroid Act, which made it illegal for doctors to prescribe for guys to where they said, okay, you can prescribe it physiologically. The guys were like, great, let's do that. So I've been around this game for a long time and patient safety is always my number one thing. I would not advise anyone. One of the things I should say, what I saw after that uh, next 10, 20 years where a bunch of these little testosterone in a box pop up all over the place, giving yeah. people really high doses of testosterone, testosterone with a Remedex and HCG because they were businessmen saying, here's a great way to make money. I guys need, need testosterone and ignoring the rest of their body. Yeah. I give them these mega doses and I really don't condone or agree with people who are just selling testosterone over the internet or just giving them these mega doses. The other thing is the same thing with TPE. This is going to be a significant game player in the world of longevity. And as a, a wise and educated consumer, find a doctor who understands the holistic part of plasma exchange. Find a doctor who understands the holistic risks 
which you may be facing and has done yeah. and his team has done thousands and thousands of these and because that's what you want in your team you want the team to be experienced and knowledgeable in doing these things our protocols here at MD Lifespan very much mirror the ones that were done in San Francisco. So that was the study that was done in uh, 2022, released in August 2022, because that's how they got their best results. And it is a very safe and reasonable protocol because we're using albumin, not plasma, and we're doing it a month apart, not day in and day out. I know doctors around the US who are doing it much more frequently. I don't agree with that because yeah. again, you're doing something elective for a person who's relatively healthy, and the more you do it, the quicker you do it, the more depleted somebody gets, and they may not be able to recover quick enough, and you're just asking for difficulties to occur. So make sure that you're, if this is something they're interested in, read up about it, ask your primary doctor about it, if they are knowledgeable about it, um, talk to our patient advisors, read our websites, and make sure that this is the right thing for you. And if you have an educated source tell you it's not in your best interest, listen to that. Don't go searching for a doctor who will do it for you, who will just do it because if an edge, I want to do this on everybody I can possibly can to help them with their toxicities, to improve their quality of life, to improve their giving their giving their life more moments. I do not ever want to do this in a way to cause somebody harm and do it too frequently, too much, inexperienced, not looking at the whole picture you're just going to find someone who's going to get into trouble. And I hope that. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Savage, another amazing conversation with you today. I so appreciate all your time and you can just see, you can just see and feel and hear the passion coming from you for your patients and for the greater good of humankind to, to be as healthy as possible for as long as possible. Uh, That's the name of the game when we talk about longevity, giving and life I, I more have, moments, right? Yeah, I have so many, moments. yeah. And I have so many more questions about TPE. We're going to have to do a fourth. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, um, yep. I just want to make sure people get good information. Yeah. And I can tell you, I've been in this field for 30 years. I'm an industry leader. I've built many different things, been successful. And the reason I've been successful is because I do it well. And I take a great right. pride in that. And as yep. And that's how my relationship with you is because you do it well. And those of us that do it well, we're very close with each other. Yes. We are not quick fix doctors at all. No, no. We are looking long-term. Well, everyone, you can find um, Dr. Savage's information at mdlifespan.com. I will put all of that in the show notes, including a link to his brochure on TPE, which is again, um, amazing and easy to understand. And um Dr. Savage will have you back and thank you again. And I hope everybody is walking away with many nuggets. I I hope they go to MD Lifespan and download that brochure. Absolutely, they will. Everything I just said to you is written really well. Yes. Easy to read documents. So thanks very much, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Lifestyle changes can be hard and overwhelming to make. By building your support team of functional medicine doctors, therapists, and health coaches, you can reach your optimal health goals. Be sure to check out my other podcasts. Until we meet again, stay healthy.